0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings
1: from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.
0: Good Wednesday morning. It is December 29th, and this is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. My name is Field Yates, and I have the honor of filling in for the next four hours with my friend Harry Douglas, longtime NFL wide receiver for 10 seasons. Harry, good morning to you.
2: Good morning, Brother Phil. People probably wonder, why he's he call him Brother Phil every time I listen to him? Because that's my brother from another mother. Right, Brother Phil? That, that's, how it, that's
0: how it rolls. We do a show every Sunday together as well. Looking forward to flapping some gums for the next four hours. And Harry, the football world is sad this morning as a legend. And I was thinking about this last night we got the news that the great John Madden had passed away. And the NFL announced it last night. It happened suddenly. And I was thinking about the word legend. And I was thinking about how frequently we overuse the term legend when describing something, not about somebody who has passed, but just about something that took place, a legendary performance after a quarterback on a Sunday, a legendary game, a legendary stretch of play from somebody. And I felt like last night in describing John Madden as a legend was actually underselling the influence that he had on the world of football during his 85 years on this earth.
2: Phil, when you look at it, John Madden is football football. Uh, he was football, still is football, will be football for as long as football is around and and, and exists. Uh, one thing I love about John Madden, growing up and 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 watching him as a broadcaster, is his distinctive voice and how he made the game of football so easy to understand to the common folk. And those things are are, are great. Great for football. Great for great when you're an announcer. Um, my receiver coach, Terry Rubisky, that I played for my entire career, actually played for John Madden, and I think he coached under John Madden as well. So he has a Super Bowl ring um, from being with John Madden, and he used to tell us all kind of stories. And I think one of the things that stood out to me when it came to John Madden is the different personalities that he had to manage, right? and and I think he I thought he did a great job of doing that um as a as a head coach for the Oakland Raiders and has the highest winning percentage ever um as an oakland raider as a head coach just a guy who who epitomizes the word legend and i think we can even take it further if there's something even higher than legend i think john john madden is that is that guy
0: i was thinking about the nfl if there was ever a mount rushmore architected for the nfl the most influential figures over the history of this great game and i think there's a very strong case that john madden is one of the foremost influential figures this game has ever seen. And Harry, you mentioned that John Madden was an outstanding head coach, and he was. He has the highest win percentage for any head coach that coached at least 100 games in NFL history. So that right there is one chapter of John Madden. There's also the broadcasting chapter of John Madden. He called 11 different Super Bowls on four different networks. And anybody who uses Twitter saw a million different clips last night of iconic moments of John Madden's style that made him so unique and so different, and certainly his legendary pairing with Pat Summerall was one of the best ever. And here's the craziest part, Harry. I bet if you did a straw poll of 1,000 people walking the streets of any community that you live in, first of all, I would guess that the percentage of people that know the name John Madden was like 995 (laughs) of 1,000 people. And I bet of those 995, the overwhelming majority may know him or may first think of him for the lasting legacy that he has as a video game pioneer. Yes, Madden football <laughs> is the most legendary sports game, to use that word once again, in the history of video games. What do you think of? If I had told you this You know, yesterday, if I had asked you, before we learned this news of John Madden's passing,
2: like what's the first thing that comes to mind for you for John Madden? What would it have been? Madden football, the video game. Yeah. It's just like Michael Jordan in in the Jordan brand. right? Uh, right. John Madden has that same thing with the football game, Uh, Madden. And I'll be honest, I'm going to go ahead and let you all know, I didn't play video games growing up, but everybody around me did. So I was always around guys playing Madden and, uh, hey, what can I do on this play? What can I do on that play? And and they they were drawn to it, even still to this day, right, Phil? Uh, We we see players and guys, and they, they just love Madden. Madden it's because of John Madden and it's crazy how like when you when you get into broadcasting right and you're trying to find your distinctive voice uh, which I'm pretty sure a lot of people have done getting into this industry John Madden is a guy that you look to who had that distinctive voice, right? It doesn't matter where where he he was, you understood it was John Madden because that voice um, I think you couldn't ignore and you you understood who it was and and when it was. Well,
0: we talk about football being a copycat game. In sports media, a lot of us are trying to emulate others, people who have reached the mountaintops, and you couldn't emulate John Madden. No one has been able to because his voice was so distinct, his style was so unique, and so many things that he did were so... Just John Madden, that anybody who tried to replicate them would do nothing more than try to chase a ghost. So he's going to be remembered in so many different ways. And you mentioned that you didn't play a lot of video games growing up, but did you ever... Like, Madden ratings are a thing, right? Like, I constantly (laughs) see players griping about their speed rating needed to go up or whatever it might be. Tom Brady had that hilarious video recently sort of chirping Peyton Manning about his, I think it was elusiveness rating on Madden. Like, it's amazing how much it's permeated the world of sports. And I feel like in locker rooms, and you could certainly speak to this better than I could, like, this was the kind of thing that was at least brought up amongst teammates. Maybe in friendly banner, but Madden ratings, that's like a
2: chapter in every team's story. Listen, that used to be hell in the locker room. Oh, your yeah. Madden rate, rating sucks. Oh, my Madden my, my rating is high. We, we used to laugh and joke about that all the time, man. And that's the first thing when the video game used to come out whatever year it was. That's the first thing people would look to. What's my Madden rating? Or, man, I used to use you all the time on Madden. Or, man, I, I used to use this player on Madden. Uh, even guys in, in a locker room used to use other players from other teams on Madden just so, so they can have a competitive advantage when they're playing other people. So, um he will never be forgotten. He will always be uh, memorized. And and I'll say this. You knew the game was big when him and Pat Summerall were announced in the football game. Sure. yeah, You knew it was big.
0: You certainly had a – there's a special aura surrounding any game those two men called. And we're going to yep. remember John Madden throughout the show this morning. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2006, 22 years after he first became eligible we'll one day look back and wonder why it took that long but part of what made john madden so good at this job is how much he enjoyed it which he talked about how working for him was really never a job
2: when i was a like a sophomore in high school i was playing in summer baseball and i was playing on three or four different teams and i told my dad i'm going to drop a couple of these because i want to get a job to make some money and my dad said now i said i'll give you a couple bucks go caddy make a few loops and you'll be okay he said uh, uh, don't work He said because once you start work You're going to have to work the rest of your life And my dad worked hard He was a mechanic and he worked hard And, you know, and the reason I say that, that he's up there laughing right now Is because I listened
1: to him And I continued to play And I have never worked a day in my life
0: Well said by John Madden, a man gone now at the age of 85 years old, will continue to remember a broadcasting plus video game plus coaching and player icon throughout the morning here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. It is Field Yates and Harry Douglas filling in for them this morning. And unfortunately, the news extended beyond just the passing of John Madden last night, as anybody who has listened to ESPN radio for a number of years probably familiar with the voice of Jeff Dickerson, who also covered the Bears here at ESPN and did exemplary work for quite some time. Jeff fell to his battle with colon cancer yesterday at the age of 44, Undescribably, you know, just indescribably too soon, a man who fought and maintained a positive attitude throughout his entire battle that took a toll on him during his final days, and yet he kept a smile on his face, The entire time. This news is soul crushing no matter how much or how little you know of Jeff Dickerson as someone who did know JD. uh, It's hurting hard this morning, Harry, and I'm thinking about not just Jeff Dickerson's family, uh, the ESPN family, but most specifically about Jeff Dickerson's son, Parker, who lost his father yesterday. Unfortunately, he also lost his mother to cancer not long before JD's passing as well. It's heartbreaking to think about somebody who has to prevail and continue at a tender age of young 11 or of 11 years old and have to find a way to push forward without both of his parents but uh I know uh JD's the kind of person that can make a or made a quick impact on people and it's going to be a long time before uh this one does not sting as much as it does as much as it does here this morning.
2: Yeah, I want everybody um even if you didn't know Jeff Dickerson to send his son love in all kind of ways because he, he's the person that's going to need it right now. Losing both parents, is it's bad enough if you lose one, but losing both at 11 years old, um, that that's hard to deal with. So so he's going to need people to love on him, uh, to help guide him through this thing we call life. And my condolences to, to the Dickerson family.
0: Yeah, there has been a GoFundMe set up, by the way, for those who may want to make a contribution uh, and try to help young Parker Dickerson who – Obviously, he has a steep challenge ahead, but was raised by incredible parents who did an amazing job forming the man that he is. Jeff Dickerson, you're going to be remembered forever, my friends, and we certainly will miss you here all over the ESPN family. It's Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Field and Harry are hanging in for the guys here this morning. We'll continue on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Colts quarterback Carson Wentz has been put on the COVID 19 list. Wentz is unvaccinated, so as of now, he's out 10 days, including Sunday's game against the Raiders.
2: Frank Reich has shown that he's a coach that can get his team wound up to overcome challenges. We
0: are back on Keyshawn J, Will, and Max. My name is Field Yates, hanging out with 10 year NFL wide receiver Harry Douglas. Have a pleasure to be in for the guys this morning and. Harry, you just heard that update on Carson Wentz, and I want to be very specific because that update came moments after Carson Wentz was announced to be placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. And the reason why the timing is so important this morning is that things changed in a major way yesterday afternoon. So let's start there, and then I'll get to the part about a player's responsibility and what it means for the Colts and things of that nature, because I think there is a discussion that some people want to have, but... Yesterday afternoon, the NFL amended its protocols as it pertains to a player on the COVID-19 list. Now it has adopted a timeline that mirrors that that the CDC recently updated its timeline to, which is that any player who is vaccinated or unvaccinated, that's the really important part here, now no longer is mandatory or mandated to quarantine for 10 days after a positive test. It has been modified to just five days. Now, in order for a player to return, he must be asymptomatic or must be having symptoms that are lessening. Lessening. Vaccinated players can still test out of isolation sooner than five days, but Carson Wentz is an unvaccinated player, as was mentioned by Christine in that update that, again, took place yesterday. So for a few hours there, Harry, it looks like the Indianapolis Colts were 9-6 and six and playing some of the best football in the NFL, would be without their quarterback, Carson Wentz, against the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. This is a game that the Colts do not have to win to make the playoffs, but their margin for error would be much, much thinner if they did not win this game. The fact that Carson Wentz is unvaccinated has been a topic all season, Harry. There have been some in Indianapolis that have been saying, like, it may just be a matter of when, right, because of the way that this virus is currently spreading with the Omicron variant, but... How important was the update yesterday of the NFL's protocols? Because it feels to me like we maybe have turned over a new leaf about how the NFL is going to approach COVID-19 and the protocols for the rest of this season.
2: I think it's important uh, for the simple fact of guys getting back on the field to play. Um, As far as do I like the the five-day period? I really don't, to be honest, Phil. Uh, If anything, I, I think it should be seven days um, to go from ten days, even if the CDC says go from ten days to five days, that's still a little weird to me, right? Because it's still a time period. That's 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 half of the days. Mm. Um, so if it would have been seven days, I would have been cool with that. But the fact that it's five, um, I think it's more so leaning towards guys getting back on the football field quicker. And I and I'll tell you this: if they wouldn't have changed it, if I was the Colts, let me call Philip Rivers right now. Hey, Phil. <laughs> we need you, Phil. Man, we need you to come back. We one week, two weeks. We don't know. We need you. Okay, that's Frank right to feel Th- that that would have had to happen because I-, I don't think you could you could have jeopardized uh, the season knowing that Carson Wentz wasn't going to play that game. Now I'm gonna go them Sam e- Ellinger a little bit. If he happens to ha- have to start this game, who that that's a tough one for the coach because the three games that I seen Sam, Sam Ellinger play were in the preseason, right? Three games, he had three interceptions, Field. Yep. So if he has to start on Sunday, a couple things have to happen. Number one, I think Frank Wright has to give him early and easy completions so he gains that confidence early in that football game. Number two, you rely on Jonathan Taylor. He's a guy that that, that you've been riding his bell cow. He's been the bell cow. You've been riding his coattail the entire year. Has over 1,600 yards uh, rushing. Uh, 17 touchdowns, has over 300 yards receiving, two touchdowns on that end. So he can do it both in a run game and a pass game. Number three, your skill position players, uh, tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, they have to make Sam Ellinger right. If it's a tough catch, you have to make it. It's a, if it's an unbelievable catch, you have to make it no matter what. And the last but not least, I think this defense, this defense has to have, have his back no matter what because uh, if we're going off, off the sample size that we've seen in preseason, he's going to turn the football over. But you have to have his back. We call it, we call it sudden change. You have to have his back no matter what.
0: Let's talk about this a little bit further from a different angle, and it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. So it sounds like the Colts are going to have Carson Wentz on Sunday, based off Mm -hmm. of the updated protocols, Uh, because as we mentioned, even though he is an unvaccinated player, assuming that he is either showing no symptoms or is showing lessening symptoms, he would be eligible to That lessening symptoms
2: is what bothers me. Well, I will tell you you this, Harry,
0: is it certainly opens up a little bit of a, not a subjective measure, but... How are you defining lessening symptoms? Yeah, is it the player? Is it the team's medical staff? Who is judging whether the symptoms are lessening or not?
2: Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. How, how do you judge that? Yeah. Because uh, uh, somebody can be saying, "Well, you know what? I don't really have that those symptoms." And if they really want to play, uh, we don't know if they're really actually telling the truth. Yeah. I mean, we will hope players will be telling the truth, but when it comes down to winning, I mean, anything is possible. Not saying that that's what Carson Wentz is going to do. Um, I'm just saying, when it comes down to winning, people do any and everything. Ask Tom Brady, Gate. Uh, well, you, know
0: you and I, every Sunday, do a show called Primetime on ESPN Radio from 5 to 9 p.m. with the great Chris Button. And you and yeah. I, you know by now that one of the things that I don't love to do is after week four, and week six, and week eight, and week nine, and ten, who's the MVP? Who's the MVP? Who's the MVP? <laughs> because things change so much. At some point earlier this year, Kyler Murray was the clear-cut MVP. Well, how's that chatter going right now? It's non-existent, but... We are in week 17 of the NFL season. We're close enough to the finish line where we can have this conversation and do so Mm -hmm. thoughtfully. And this has me wondering about Jonathan Taylor. In the event that Carson Wentz does have to miss a game, if the Colts cement their playoff status with the win on Sunday against the Raiders, what does that do to the case for Jonathan Taylor as the league's MVP this year?
2: i say it makes it stronger. Makes it stronger. Uh, I think it puts on notice. Not that everyone is not put on notice, but I think it it highlights Jonathan Taylor even more. Hey, they were without their starting quarterback. They had to lean on Jonathan Taylor even that much more. He got it done. He rushed full of a hundred yards. Uh, I, I I think it's significant. And I think if Jonathan Taylor wants to move up a notch uh, in, in the MVP race, I think you go out there if you play without Carson Wentz and you have a great game. I think that 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 does it. So, one one of the years that you played
0: in the league, uh, Adrian Peterson did win the NFL's MVP. Mm-hmm. I believe every other year besides that, a quarterback won the MVP. Do you think that this year, if Jonathan Taylor is going to legitimately enter the MVP conversation, do you believe, Harry, it would be more a byproduct of his own season and having a great season in which he currently leads the NFL in both rushing and rushing touchdowns, mm-hmm. or Is it just as much influenced by the fact that while there have been some quarterbacks that have been really good and some of them have been really good of late, we don't have a runaway quarterback MVP this year like we did last year with Aaron Rodgers, who by the end of the season, it was obvious who the NFL's MVP was?
2: Phil, I actually think it's a mix of both. I think it's a mix of both. And when you look at Jonathan Taylor, listen, what he's done this year has been amazing. But I am going to say if Derrick Henry was running that football for the Tennessee Titans still – Uh, We probably wouldn't be talking about Jonathan Taylor, which is sad because I think he is one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in football right now currently because he's playing. Uh, uh, Like I mentioned earlier, he's a guy who can do it in both the pass and the run game. But I I just think right now I think Aaron Rodgers leads the way. I, I do believe that Jonathan Taylor is number two. I think Tom Brady is number three in those regards. But there's no telling what can happen in these last two games. You show up and show out, and you really put this team on your back. I know you've already been doing it all year, but if you really, really carry them without a Carson Wentz on your football team, and then we already seen against New England. New England knew that Jonathan Taylor was going to run the football. They couldn't stop him, right? The Arizona Cardinals knew Jonathan Taylor was going to run the football, they couldn't stop him. That's the thing about his season that's so remarkable is that everybody knows that he's going to get the football and Frank Wright is going to lean on his shoulders. I just wish they would have did it against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because mm. if they would have did it late in that game, he would have made a case. I think he would be even a little higher in the MVP race if they just would have let him carry carry that torch in that game uh, and carry them to a win. Uh, But but if he have unbelievable games these last two games that you just can't ignore in a very outstanding and eye opening, you have to consider him. Aaron Rodgers right now. I'm gonna say it again. Aaron Rodgers is in the lead because Aaron Rodgers is a different character. He's a different man walking this earth. But Jonathan Taylor is right behind him.
0: Yeah, it seems like there are two weeks left for Jonathan Taylor to catapult into the conversation, but it still feels like Aaron Rodgers is the player to beat in the NFL's MVP. That's straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract. No compromise. Keyshawn J. Will in Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And hey, coming up, the Cowboys don't want to see a familiar face in the playoffs. And for once, it's not Tom Brady.
1: The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max podcast.
2: Way's punt is blocked, and it is recovered in the end
0: zone by Chauncey Goldston. And it's another return touchdown for the Cowboys special teams. It's Phil D. Hates and Harry Douglas filling in for Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. And a reminder that Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. And all guests join on the Goodyear hotline. So Harry, the funny thing about the NFL is that we have six days every week to react to what took place in a team's previous games. As a result of that, when things go really bad, we have a long time to highlight all the things that went bad. When things go really good, we get to sit there and throw some flowers on a team, which has me thinking about the Dallas Cowboys right now. Because not that long ago, Harry, even their own owner, Jerry Jones, was talking about the possibility of Dak Prescott and the offense being in a slump. On Sunday night, they win 56-14. to Dak Prescott threw a touchdown to a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, and an offensive lineman for good measure. And Jerry, after the game, is saying, what slump? So let me ask you this. Was it fair in the first place for us to be talking about Dak Prescott slumping, Or is Jerry validated in his thoughts that what slump is the real slogan of the week?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was very fair because Dak Prescott wasn't playing his best brand of football. So our job is to point that out, and our job is to talk about it, Phil. Uh, You know that. You know what I mean? So it was no shots at Dak Prescott. It's just us doing our job um, in the media. Now, rightfully so, you look at the game against the New Orleans Saints, right? They scored, I believe, 27 points. The defense scored seven. Of the, you had the defensive touchdown, so the defense scored seven of those. Dak Prescott threw an interception. Um, and next week, I believe it was the Washington football team, if I'm not mistaken. They, um, I think they only scored 27 points again, and the defense scored a touchdown, got a fumble for a touchdown in that game. And I think Dak uh, threw two interceptions. You look at the game against the New York Giants. I think they they didn't score that many points. Uh, the defense had to get turnovers in that game. But against the Washington Football Team, the second time around, they came out to play. They were hitting on all cylinders. Dak Prescott was was hit. Well, he was efficient. Um, he was hitting guys in stride. I liked the way he moved around in the pocket. Uh, this offense was a force to be reckoned with and that's the offense that we've seen early in this year when this football team the Dallas Cowboys when they hit on all three cylinders and more importantly when Dak Prescott is on and this offense is thriving this team is scary this team is dangerous and they can play with anybody in the National Football League
0: yeah it's scary to think that all of a sudden this Cowboys team that has Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard and Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and The emergence of Dalton Schultz this year still might actually be a defensive team as Micah Parsons feels like the runaway defensive rookie of the year. And that pass rush on Sunday night just absolutely swallowed up admittedly a compromised Washington offense, but they just completely dominated them. So Harry, it's got me thinking because the Cowboys have clinched the NFC East. They're going to win that division. They clinched it before the game on Sunday night, and now they're playing for something even bigger. They have a shot, maybe a long shot, but still a shot at the number one overall seed in the NFC. Only one team gets a buy now with the NFL's new playoff formats as of last year. But if you're thinking about the Cowboys, you're thinking about the one team that they don't want to march and face in January, in the playoffs. Is there a team in the NFC that you say to
2: yourself, that could be the Cowboys kryptonite? To me, I think it's the Green Bay Packers. Okay. I think it's the Green Bay Packers. But at the same time, I think if, if 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 the Dallas Cowboys are hitting hit on all cylinders in all three phases of the game, um, they're going to be hard to beat. Now, I think the deciding factor may be: Will the game be played at AT and Stadium, or will it be played at Lambeau Field in the frozen mm-hmm. tundra? Because we all know what that weather is going to be like the end of January. Uh, so we know it's going to be cold. It could be snowing. It could be in the negative degrees. It could be single digits. We, You never know. Uh, that's going to always be up in the air. But if that game is played at AT&T Stadium inside a dome where the elements and the forecast is not a factor, I, uh, I would take the Cowboys. Um, if it's played at Lambeau, uh, I don't know. I may lean a, a slightly towards uh, the Green Bay Packers in that one. But when you have a guy like – Uh, Michael Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, those three guys rushing, now you can create mismatches. You can't double-team all of them. Somebody's going to get a one-on-one, they're going to win. And then you have the linebackers flying around, Uh, Keanu Neal doing a heck of a job. Uh, He came into the lead as a safety, been drafted by Dan Quinn in Atlanta in the first round. He's moved down to that linebacker uh, position. And then you look at the guys on the back end. They can – Anthony Brown, you look at um, – Trayvon, uh, uh, yeah, Trayvon Diggs, I almost said Stefan Diggs. Trayvon Diggs, and he has 11 interceptions right now in the NFL, a guy who's a ball hawk. But I will say this about Trayvon Diggs. And the first team to actually exploit it was Bill Belichick. Right, one of the things that that you that you have to understand when you're playing Trayvon Diggs is that he wants to get picks, so he's going to break on routes, he's going to cheat routes, and he's going to jump them. So you're going to have to double movement. If you're not willing to double move them, or if your O line cannot hold up in protection because of those three guys I named earlier, uh, then you're basically screwed. Uh, but I, I like I like what they what they present. Uh, Jordan Jordan uh, Lewis, I think he's had a good year. Um, getting pass breakups, intercepting the football. He's he's had a, he had a, a great game uh, previously uh, against the New York Giants with four PBU's uh, in an interception in that game. So I just think they have the secondary to be able to match up with teams who want to pass the football, and I think they're physical enough uh, on both sides of the ball to get it done as well in the playoffs.
0: Right, I've got my own thoughts, and I want to share those in a second, but we also want to hear from you, and we are asking on the Dr Pepper Twitter feed at Key J and Max. Who is the one team every playoff team does not want to see? The example we're using in this case is maybe the Cowboys don't want to see the Packers or my team that I will pick in just a second. It's not necessarily the same for every team. So while the Cowboys may not want to see the Packers, the Bucs may not want to see, for example, the Saints. And be a part of Tishon, J. Will, and Max Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football bowl season is here, and the fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. So, Harry, I've got an interesting maybe counterpoint here, is that I don't think anybody wants to really see Aaron Rodgers and the Packers because he's really (laughs) good. I don't think anybody really wants to see the... Buccaneers and Tom Brady because he's the GOAT. But I do wonder if maybe Tampa is the one team that above all other NFC contenders Dallas is most fearful of. And here's the reason why. I know the offense was great and we just talked about how that slump may have been maybe a temporary slump for Dak. But is it crazy for me to think 17 weeks into the season that maybe the best medicine for the Cowboys to serve an opponent is their defense is just so good and they can rush the passer, and all those players you just highlighted, that maybe the team that you don't want to face is the one that does the best job protecting its quarterback. And by far, the best offensive line, as far as sacks allowed this year, is actually the Bucs. Like, they're the team that has the answers, and Tom Brady, beyond the fact that he's got a great offensive line, knows how to diagnose and also avoid pressure as well as any quarterback, even for a guy who's not mobile at all, that maybe the Buccaneers... Maybe they're the team that Dallas doesn't want to face. I know the Buccaneers' secondary has been banged up all year and it's been an area of vulnerability, but that Buccaneers' offensive line is so good, maybe the Cowboys are saying to themselves, our defense does not want to have to face that team, whether it's in Tampa or whether it's in Dallas.
2: Well, I'll say this. uh, To the credit of Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn, we got to remember, he was in the NFC South, right? He he was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So it's not like he didn't play uh, play Brady. And Dan Quinn... um, being able to see Brady that many times, and see, uh, he got a chance to see him in the Super Bowl, a uh, horrific loss for the Atlanta Falcons. And I hate to bring that up because I'm from Atlanta, and I know the people are going to hate me for it. Yeah, but doing, Dan man? Quinn, he has, he, has <laughs> seen Tom, he has seen Tom Brady in his career um, as a head coach and overseeing the defense, not being a defensive coordinator, but overseeing the defense, right? So I, I think that that's going to play a factor as well. When you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the offensive line, we got to keep in the back of our minds that the New Orleans Saints have the recipe, right? They have the defensive line. They have the linebackers. They have the secondary. When you look at this Cowboys football team and you have three guys that can rush the passer and do it at a high rate, that pays dividends. That pays dividends. So somebody's going to get a one-on-one on that, on that offensive line of, t- of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and there aren't, they, aren't they, they, they won't be able to hold up. Trust me. They won't be able to hold up. But then now you have the secondary guys who can compete, and possibly play man coverage uh, against the wide receivers and skill position players. Um, the thing, the, the one common denominator, I think, is going to be Gronkowski, right? I think Gronk is going to be the guy. That, do you who do you put on Gronk? Do you put Keanu Neal on him? He's a guy that can play in the box. He's a guy that can guard uh, tight ends as well. That that's going to be the question. But I do I do feel that the Cowboys defensively have the personnel to get pressure on Tom Brady. I understand they played him the first game of the year. And let's not forget, this Cowboys defense created turnovers against Tom Brady uh, in in this Buccaneers offense in the first game of the year. But now this Cowboys defense is surging. They're playing at a high level. The Buccaneers right now offensively, uh, they're trying to stay in a groove uh, when everybody's getting hurt on their team, not just offensively, but defensively as well.
0: Yeah, and their head coach, by the way, Bruce Arians, currently in the COVID-19 protocols after testing positive yesterday. We wish him well and certainly hope he's back with the team in the next couple of days here, perhaps before they play on Sunday against the Jets up in the Meadowlands. So I will say this. It feels to me like in previous years we have had teams that felt like favorites or inevitable favorites. Mm -hmm. The past couple of years I felt like the Chiefs were head and shoulders above the rest of the AFC This year it feels to me like both sides lack a dominant all-time level team. Really good teams for sure, but a team that was so head and shoulders above the rest, I don't believe so. Maybe the team that has the best case for that because they have the best record in the NFL right now is the Green Bay Packers, and the Packers are an interesting team, and we want to hear from you in just a moment, but I thought Aaron Rodgers, who's been super and interestingly reflective about this year, had some unique comments about what it meant to walk off the field this past Saturday on Christmas Day and speaking with Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee Show, as he does every Tuesday afternoon during the season. Here's what he had to say about walking off the field in that atmosphere after that win against the Browns wanted to
2: take in the whole 360, so I uh,
1: spun around, and, and uh, that was special, man. That was, it was one of my favorite uh, walk-offs of the field I uh, ever had a
0: Lambeau. So a really, really special night. Pump the brakes here and slow down. There's going to be a conversation at some point.
1: It's not jump to any wild conclusions. There's been conversations about other teams and you know, all these other different dialogues. But I will say, I think we've all learned, myself especially, how
0: quickly the narratives can change. Harry, I'm a sucker for it. I like fake trades as much as anybody else, right? So Aaron's <laughs> sitting there saying, no, stop talking about the Broncos and the New York Giants, all these teams that could use me. I can't help myself, man. I want to think about three first-round picks and what it could mean uh, for the NFL. And by the way, Packers fans, I get it. I I, I know it's a sensitive subject right now. I'm not trying to um, put the cart before the horse, but I do know that we all expect there could be a conversation this offseason surrounding Aaron Rodgers and potentially being traded. But... I do wonder what you make of the Packers right now, if they are the clear-cut favorites, or right now, not the naysayers, but the counterpoint would be that the Packers are the best team by record, but they've had some narrow escapes recently, in back-to-back weeks. First, they beat the Baltimore Ravens without so many players, and no Lamar Jackson, and they got taken to the limit, right? The following week, they beat the Browns, but that was a game last week in which the Browns had the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to go up and take the lead. Are the Packers a solidified best team in the NFC, or are they a team that you think might be more vulnerable than a 12-3 record suggests?
2: I think they have the best record in the NFC right now, Phil, and and you mentioned those two games against the Baltimore Ravens with Tyler Huntley at the quarterback position, not Lamar Jackson, and it's nothing against Tyler Huntley because I think he's done a great job when he had to come in and fill in for Lamar Jackson, and then you look at the Browns game. Baker Mayfield gave them four gifts, four Christmas presents on Christmas. Yes, he didn't even have to wrap them up. He gave them the football four times. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in the offense went down and scored 21 points off of those three turnovers, and Need to need need to say that at the end of the game the 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 Browns still had an opportunity to go down and win the game. Now I didn't agree with Kevin Stefanski putting the football in Baker Mayfield's hands with timeouts uh, in his pocket. I would have gave the ball to Nick Chubb, and that's another thing. This defense struggled stopping their run. Uh, that, that 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 Browns offense rushed for over two hundred yards in that game, and Nick Chubb started uh, started to get going, and he was going downhill, and is basically being unstoppable in that ball game. So moving forward, you look at a team like the Cowboys will they try to impose their will <clears throat> excuse me impose their will and run the football down that defense's throat um, but you got to look at the packers i like what rasul douglas has done since he's been uh, acquired uh, to this team in october a guy who has five interceptions and think about this nobody wants him so think about this. you you're the packers you bring him in and he has five huge interceptions for you in a short span uh, but i do believe that this this packers team they can be beat You look at the 49ers game early in the year. It took Aaron Rodgers with seconds on the clock of, I think, 20-something seconds. It may have been 20 or 30-something seconds on the clock to go down and get a field goal and win that ball game. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. I think that might be it. But you look at the Kansas City game, Aaron Rodgers didn't play that game. I thought Mm -hmm. if he would have played in that one, they would have won that one. But you look at the last two weeks, um, you can't just say this Packers football team can't be beat because they've been tested to the wire both weeks. You had a two-point conversion that that, that failed uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. If that, if that is good, they lose that football game. If Baker doesn't turn the football over in the last drive of, game, uh, of the game and go down and kick a field goal, they can possibly lose that football game. So that's two games right there. So if you're the Dallas Cowboys, yes, you're looking your top. If you're your chops. If you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you already know he probably li- lives rent-free in the Packers' mind right now because they beat him twice last year. Once um, down at Raymond James Stadium and then the other one up at, at Lambeau Field. So um, I, I won't say they're. They have the best record. I don't. I don't think they're the best team right now. I put them yesterday in my rankers at number one uh, b- because they have the best record. Uh, but the best team I think right now in the National Football League um, overall I think is the Chiefs.
0: I just don't know that we have a single runaway team, which is what is going to make this NFL playoff picture so compelling. And we want to hear from you about the team that you think. There's not, they do not want to face in the playoffs. The example we've been using, whether the Cowboys don't want to see the Packers. So let's go on to the Dr. Pepper call-in line, which you can get involved with as well by dialing 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And first, we have Les in Florida with his thoughts on who the Rams do not want to face. What do you got, Les?
2: Yeah, the the Rams do not want to face the uh, my 49ers. How y'all doing?
0: We're doing great. And tell us why.
2: Uh, the last game we played, uh, we demolished them and it's the way we played ball. I mean, I know we got Garoppolo hurting right now, but that might be like, um, a blessing in disguise. Sorry. I like, lo- I like Jimmy G, but he's been turning the ball over way too much for us. Let's do something with Lent. We got the running game and we got the defense and we've been to the Super Bowl. what, uh, the, years ago so that's our formula run the ball play strong defense and can't nobody beat us
0: Les I love the confidence and thanks for the call of course as well let me ask Harry about Trey Lance who certainly sounds like Harry the 49ers are going to have to turn to Trey Lance for a start this weekend against the Houston Texans and don't sleep on them by the way as they just took the Chargers to the woodshed 41 to 29 last week May ask you, I know we haven't seen much of Trey Lance, but your impressions about what he can bring to this offense that might be different from Jimmy Garoppolo and the thought from Les that I think is a valid one that because the 49ers just beat the Rams and did so convincingly on Monday Night Football, that maybe LA doesn't want to face them again.
2: Well, first, I, I I agree with them. I don't, I don't think they want to face the 49ers. I actually think the 49ers are a dangerous team to get in the playoffs that a lot of people better look out for if they uh, if they get into that tournament. And this situation with the San Francisco 49ers field, I was thinking about this last night. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of the Alex Smith-Colin Kaepernick mm. deal, right? 2012, uh, I believe Garoppolo got hurt. Cabernet came in and played well in a ball game, right? And then I think Jim Harbor at the time, he decided, okay, I'm going to go with uh, Cabernet again, and he played well. Then he named Cabernet as his starter. Jimmy G is hurt right now. Trey Lance is coming to the ball game. Now, I think I think Trey Lance is a better passer than Co- Colin Kaepernick, but he's the guy that you got to account for defensively, and he's going to keep defensive coordinators up all night when it comes to that run game, because now they're plus one in the run game offensively, the San Francisco 49ers, a team that's already physical as hell, that have a bunch of star players. When you look at Juszczyk, you look at uh, George Kittle, you look at Debo Samuel, all those guys on the roster, um, Brandon Iyut, guys who can do a lot of dynamic different things. Now you throw a Trey Lance into that with motion and shifts and moving parts on that offensive line and that offensive line trip Williams, the best uh, left tackle in the game right now. Uh, It can be scary. And I think all this time that Trey Lance has been able to sit back and watch Jimmy G. I think he he, he's learned. Now we're going to go out and see this weekend as they face the Houston Texans. And I don't think the Houston Texans will be able to beat the 49ers because of the brand of football that they like to play. But we're going to see where Trey Lance and his growth is this weekend in national football league.
0: An interesting story in so many ways. The 49ers obviously made a big bet and a big trade to acquire Trey Lance this past offseason. Perhaps they'll need him even sooner than they were expecting. Jimmy Garoppolo currently dealing with a thumb. Plenty more to come here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. As the NFL lost a legend, how will you remember John Madden? Your chance to tell us next, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and ESPN2.